Good morning, friends, and uh, welcome, welcome to, to Regen, especially to a few of our, our college kids that I see that are, that are coming back for Thanksgiving break. This is, uh, it's really awesome to see. You guys know who you are. You know who I'm talking about. Um, since you weren't here last week, I'll give you a little recap. We, uh, we're doing a two-part mini-series in the midst of our Kingdom Project series, where we're looking at the seven Ego e me statements, I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. But we started with this reading from Matthew 16 last week, where we read, Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi. There he put this question to his disciples. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? John the Baptist, they replied. Others say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked them. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah, he said. You're the Son of the living God. And so we're looking at Jesus, looking at us, and asking us, Hey, so-and-so, who do you say that I am? And so we're looking at different statements that Jesus tells us about himself so that way we can make a better informed decision on who exactly Jesus is. And so in the Gospel of John, there are seven times where Jesus uses the phrase, Ego e me, Yahweh from the Old Testament, I am. I am everything. I am the essence of life. I am the being, the breath in your lungs. And the four we looked at last week were Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I'm your sustenance. I'm what true living is all about. I'm the light of the world. I'm bringing light into an often dark world. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Advent, one of my favorite seasons is coming up next week with Advent starting in the dark. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am your protector. And he said, I am the good shepherd and your savior. So today we're going to look at the last three. We're going to look at three more of the I am statements of Jesus And then we're going to enter into a short spiritual practice to help align our heads with our hearts on this idea of who does Jesus say that he is and who do we say he is as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we come before you in this week of thanks in gratitude gratitude for everything you've given us, everything you've blessed us with, none more important than your son. Jesus Christ, the king, the anointed Messiah who came for us. God, we are so thankful that you sent Jesus. We're so thankful that you gave us your word so that we we might know better who Jesus is, who your son is, who the Messiah, the anointed king is. And so today, God, as we journey into these I am statements, as we look at who Jesus says he is, may that align our heads and our hearts to who we believe and say that he is for us. God, we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, let's dig right in. First one right here this morning, John chapter 11 is where we're going to pick up where Jesus says these words. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, anyone who believes in me will live even if they die. And anyone who lives and believes in me 
will never, ever die. If you were to read John 11 in its entirety, if you were to read John 11 uh, as an actual story, you notice this as the story of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Where Jesus was a couple days away when Mary and Martha and Lazarus' other friends were actually uh, very concerned as to why Jesus wasn't coming to the to the area where Lazarus was because they knew, guess what, God, Jesus, if you were here, maybe you could have healed Lazarus. So Jesus comes a couple days later. Lazarus had already died and been placed in the tomb for a couple days, it said, so long enough at least that his body stunk. And so Jesus comes and Mary or Martha, I can't remember which one, but one of them meets Jesus, um, you know, part of the way to the tomb and basically asks him, he goes, Jesus, why weren't you here? And Jesus replies with, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus is not just a doctrine to be studied. Jesus is not just a theological footnote in, 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 in a book from one of our favorite authors. Or, or, or dare I say, Jesus is not even just a meme or a trinket or a little pithy phrase that we, you know, we might put in our, in our, in our homes. But rather what Jesus is saying here to, uh, to either Mary or Martha, he's saying that Jesus, he's saying, I am the future. I am the past and I am the future past that is bursting into your present reality. This, by the way, is what we're going to start talking about next week for Advent. You see, Jesus is the God man. Jesus is 100% God. Jesus is 100% man. Don't ask me how that happens. It's a mystery. I can't even tell you that. That's what we call the incarnation. Jesus is life. Jesus is the true life that came to life. And that's why he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the things that resurrect life. I am anastasis. That, 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 that basically means that that's taking something who is, that, that has completely been disabled and bringing it back to its full function. And if Jesus is life, if Jesus truly is life incarnate, then the more deeply we know Jesus and the more we walk with Jesus, the more readily we accept God's glory as our greatest good. We talked about that in our education hour, right? That God's glory is actually what causes us and makes us whole again. Even if it feels like we're in a momentary bad. Because we know we resurrect with Jesus into true life. We resurrect with Jesus into true life right here in the now and on the other side of eternity. And as the resurrection and the life, Jesus is always writing better stories than we can ever imagine. Jesus is writing stories that push the boundaries of what we think is possible. Jesus is writing stories that push the boundaries of what we think we can handle. Have you ever heard that uh, phrase, God doesn't give you more than you can handle? I don't actually think that's true. I think sometimes we do have things in our life that are hard to handle. But what Jesus is saying as the resurrection and the life, I am the life that's breathing into your lungs and I am here with you every step of the way. Jesus is writing stories that bring us the greatest joy in life as he breaks through. As Jesus breaks through into the present 
as our future and as our past. And Jesus goes even further with this idea of being life in just a few more chapters in John chapter 14, where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying here that he's the way, right? Jesus is the way to what? Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth that sets us free. There is no fake news when it comes to Jesus. Every single thing about Jesus is what is true and right in this world. Jesus is the life. Jesus is life itself. Jesus and his spirit is the very breath that we breathe. You see, sometimes I think we look at scriptures such as this. And we look at Jesus saying, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And we, 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 we relegate it only to the after, to the other side of eternity. And a lot of times we want to spin this gospel that, that, that Jesus is good for news for us on the other side of eternity. But here in this life, it doesn't really matter. He doesn't really have to be king of, 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 of this life because all I'm trying to do is just get to that other side. But no. Jesus is saying here in, in, in these words that he is life. Every single aspect of life. And even Luke writes later on in the book of Acts, he says, in Jesus we live, move, and have our being. I'd say that has a lot to do with this side of eternity. We live and move and have our being. Jesus himself as life. Jesus was that God-man who was living, who was breathing who was teaching. And what did Jesus teach about? We talk about this so much. He taught us these commands of loving God and loving others. Jesus teaching, Jesus ethos, Jesus life was all about the love. Which makes me think then, if Jesus is life, then what is it that brings life? Jesus. And if Jesus is saying that he is the life, what brings life? If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then love is in the end of the day what Jesus is saying is bringing us life. Jesus taught about this love. Jesus lived this life. He washed feet and told us to copy him, right? Jesus wept at that tomb of Lazarus. Even though Jesus knew he was going to resurrect as the resurrection and the life, he knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus in just a few moments, but he still wept. Jesus still had human emotions to sit with his friends and, 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 and to be present with them in their suffering that life is sometimes hard. Jesus fed people. Jesus helped those in need. Jesus did not cast the first stone. And Jesus laid down his life like we talked about last week, as the good shepherd. You see, only when we as Jesus' followers continue to do what Jesus did in service to the love to the world, will they, the world, even begin to hear us when we speak the earth-shattering truth that he spoke. You see, I think we always love to be able to speak the truth. But unless we continue to live the ways of Jesus, live in this love that Jesus brings as the way, the truth, and the life, people won't even want to listen to us talk about what that truth is. 
Think about this. What was Jesus on his way to doing when he spoke these words? Jesus was on his way. He actually had to take a detour here because he was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on his way to the cross. I guarantee you that these first century followers of Jesus did not think that going to the cross was the way nor the truth or life. How is my rabbi, how is the guy that I follow going to his death going to bring anything of life, let alone bring any truth or be the way to anything in reality? But you see, this is what Jesus does. Jesus takes what we know about ways, truths, and lives, and he calls us and he flips it on his head and he calls us and he calls us to live in himself as the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he uses a real world metaphor to give us a picture of what this looks like in our last I am statement. Just one chapter later, Jesus says, I am the vine. Actually, I am the true vine. That's not the same as I have, but I'll read it to you. I am the true vine, said Jesus, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it can bear more fruit. And he also says a couple verses later, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? That's what we see right up there. Now, if you know anything about vines, vines and branches, like most plants, all plants will grow towards the the light, right? And rather than getting tangled in a big web of a mess, in order for that vine to be healthy and at its best and actually be able to produce the fruit that we like from the vine, somebody, i.e. a gardener, has to come and prune the branches on that vine. This word pruning here in, in the Greek also brings a connotation of being cleansed or purified. Pruned, cleansed, purified. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's saying that as branches of his vine, right, for you and I, his disciples, also for the first century disciples, for, 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 for us, for, um, he's saying that we, as the branches of his vine, need to remain in him in order for us to be pruned from time to time. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus tells his, his, his followers, he says, they need to take up their own crosses and follow him. I.e., they needed to be rid of all their previous goals and ambitions of life in order to follow him to the fullest. Because only if they remained in him and took up their cross and followed him could they be pruned or cleansed or purified along the way. So that way they wouldn't end up in a tangled mess like a vine that grows towards the light with no gardener. So that way they and us can truly live up to the calling that he has. This metaphor of the vine and branches underscores how every single thing from beginning to end is just all a result of grace. By the Spirit's presence in our lives, we've entered into an organic union with him. An organic union of him, of branches to vine. This is how close Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for us. This is how close Jesus is the resurrection and the life to us. We are as close as a vine is to its branches. 
We are hidden in that vine of Christ, our King. And as his followers, as his disciples, those whose lives who are hidden in Christ, we must remain in him. This is what he says. He actually says this and continues in chapter 15. He basically says that branches can't live on their own. Branches can't survive without the vine. If they grow on their own, branches will eventually wither up and dry out. Jesus says that about his followers. That if we don't remain in him, eventually we'll dry up and wither out. He says, but branches that remain in the vine. Branches that let themselves be pruned. They live and they bear the best kind of fruits. What kind of fruits do vines produce, right? Grapes, tomatoes, to name a few. You might have your own favorites that come from vines. And Jesus says, so finding ways to let ourselves be pruned is essential. Finding ways to see ourselves as God sees us and not how we see ourselves is huge. And so this vine in the branches might be the biggest lob I've ever got in terms of this spiritual practice stuff. Because what better way to remain in Jesus? What better way to go from our head to our hearts than to engage in a spiritual practice that allows us to think about our lives and where we see Christ, our vine, Christ, our king, our anointed king, and our Messiah. I'm going to invite Stephen to come up and play some music for us. And I'd like to invite you to join this time with me, um, this time of quiet reflection, this time of meditation and prayer, whenever you want to start, Stephen. And this is your time to spend with God. And so feel free to open your eyes or close your eyes. Try to avoid the temptation to fall asleep. That does happen sometimes in meditation. If it happens, it's okay. But try to fight that temptation. I find that it works really, really well if your feet are both on the ground. I don't know what it is about your feet being on the ground with meditation, but it just seems to ground us into where we are. It helps us ground us into the presence that we're actually in. That's what a lot of meditation is, especially meditation in the spirit. It's to be able to be in the presence of the spirit. To notice that presence that's always around us. This would be a good time to put away the devices, even if you're using it to follow along with the sermon. And just make sure you're breathing. You don't have to change your breath, but just make sure you notice how you're breathing, how you're actually present here in this moment. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy spirit. We know that you are in this room this morning. We know that you are as close as the air that we breathe. Holy, holy, holy spirit. We know that there is nowhere we can go to flee from your presence. Whether we're in the heavens or we've made our grave, God, you are there. And so we simply ask that you and your spirit would guide our time with you this morning. That we would notice where you are. We would notice that breath in our lungs. God, we ask that you would guide us so that way we see our lives with you the way that you see it.
not as the picture that we may paint in our own selves. Father, we have so much to be grateful for. We're going to do a whole other meditation on Wednesday about gratefulness, but God, we have so much to be grateful for. There are so many things that surround our lives, and what better week than this week to think about some of those things? God, you have placed us here in this place at this moment for a reason. God, we thank you for that. And we are grateful for so many things, but none more than you and your son. Your son that you sent to love the world. Your son who willingly went to the cross to die for the world and rose again for our resurrection. We thank you for the resurrection and the life. We thank you for the way, the truth, and the life. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So now I'd like to invite you into a time of meditation upon your relationship with God. This is your time to spend with your Abba, your Papa. This is your time to talk with God about how your relationship with Him has been going. Do you feel close or do you feel distant from God right now? There is no right or wrong answer here. Have you spent quality time with him lately? Or have you been neglectful? Do you sense that God is very close to you when you call on him? Or perhaps you're bored with God. Just be honest with God in that inner, 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 inner eye of your heart. Where are you at with God right now? If you look upon the face of the divine, do you feel joy or gratitude or do you feel shame and fear? Just spend a brief moment speaking with God about your relationship with him and ask God to show you how he sees your relationship at this moment. Just take but a moment. Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi. And there he put this question to his disciples. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? John the Baptist, they replied. Others say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked them. Who do you say that I am? Now just play out the last few days, the last week in your head, maybe even like a movie or a video. Think about the different things in which you enacted this week. 
watch the various scenes of your week unfold and as you do so, ask yourself, where was Christ in this moment or that moment? Perhaps there was a moment more than any other this week where you really felt the Spirit of God, you really felt His presence in your life at that particular moment. How did Christ come to you at any particular moment this past week? Just take about 30 seconds or so and think about where you saw the face of Christ, where you felt the presence of Christ this past week. Now take a step back and look at the big picture. Look at the big picture of of the week. Given everything that's happened this past week, whether good or bad, who, who was Christ for you in this past week? Perhaps Christ was a teacher or a friend. Maybe Christ was a consoler or a coach. Maybe Jesus was a silent observer. Maybe Jesus was a spouse or a savior, a child or a parent. Who was Christ to you this past week? And if you were to ask yourself, this question to the Lord, O Lord, as so-and-so was Christ for me this week, maybe friend or consoler, maybe coach, silent observer, spouse, savior, child or parent, no matter who that was for you this week, then what does that make your relationship to him? For example, if you said, O Lord, you were my teacher this week, then that would make you his student. So to speak with God about how your relationship played itself out this week, student-teacher, friend-to-friend, consoler-to-consolee, a coach and, and an athlete, your other spouse. Let's take but a moment and speak with God. finally now we look forward in hope we look towards this afternoon we look towards tomorrow morning how do you need or how do you want christ to be present with you tomorrow do you need him to be your teacher do you need him to be your friend or your savior just tell jesus as one friend to another what you need for him He listens to you without judgment, without condemnation. What do you want or need from his presence in your life this week as you move forward from this place? 
Be bold. Ask Jesus for what you want. Ask Jesus for what you need from him so that way you can be a better mirror of him to the world around you. Just take a moment and ask Jesus from the bottom of your hearts what you need. Father God, Son Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. We bring all these silent things in our hearts before you. We lay them down at your altar. We lay them down at the foot of the cross as we prepare our hearts to receive the bread and the cup, your body and your blood. Even as we pray together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.